is Bloomberg Surveillance. No matter what happens, the U.S. dollar will continue to strengthen, whether the Fed hikes in June or waits until December. The U.S. economy is in very good shape right now, better shape than it has been for almost a decade. We're washing around marking time before the next leg higher in the U.S. dollar. I'm just not completely comfortable in my mind with whether it's led by this risk aversion or this Fed tightening. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. It's 7 a.m. on Wall Street, noon in London. In the U.S., we will be talking about adding jobs. In the U.K., Jamie Dimon is talking about cutting them. The J.P. Morgan CEO goes to England today. He warning warns the Brits uh, Brexit might force J.P. Morgan to cut back some of their 16,000 employees there. The pound is lower this morning, by the way. Stocks, though, generally higher around the world, except here in the U.S., where they are flat ahead of the jobs report. 8.30 Wall Street time. U.S. futures right now, as I mentioned, S&P futures literally flat. Uh, Dow futures up eight points. That's a minuscule percentage increase. NASDAQ futures are down four. Uh, that's about a tenth of a percent. In Europe, more conviction. The stock 600 up by two points, six-tenths of a percent. The FTSE's up 58, 9 tenths, and the DAX in Germany, 61 points higher, 6 tenths of a percent. Here's what you need to know about the jobs report. It will be distorted, perhaps badly, by the Verizon strike, so traders and the Fed will have to do some mental adjustments. 160,000 is the consensus forecast. Jim Vogel of FTN told us yesterday on the show the bond market already has done the adjustments. He's not expecting big moves unless there's a big surprise right now. Two-year note yield going for 89 basis points. The five-year, 1.35%. And your 10-year note yield comes in at 1.8, all those a little bit lower than they have been the last couple of days. Oil, not a lot of movement, but Brent over $50, $50.01 right now. West Texas, 49.10. It's jobs day. A lot going on. Let's dive right in. Howard Ward is Chief Investment Officer at Gamco, which means he's in charge of climbing the wall of worry out there this month. Not only jobs today, Janet Yellen on Monday, the Fed in general. She has Humphrey Hawkins' testimony in a week or so. Donald Trump. I mean, there are so many things that could go wrong. Uh, Let me start uh, by asking you, what's the blackest swan out there? (laughs) What scares you the most? Well, I don't scare easily, uh, Mike, and I guess um, I don't think I don't put a high probability on this. But right now, when I look at things like the global PMI, I see a number that I would like to think is trending higher, and actually, it seems to be trending lower. The global PMI for manufacturing, right around the fifty mark, um, not going the way I'd like. So. I don't think there is a recession on the near-term horizon, and I don't want to encourage that thought. But in terms of a black black swan to me, if these PMIs don't get in gear and start accelerating to the upside, then we have to start entering. We start. We have to start talking at least about the possibility of a, of a recession. Although I, I do think that's premature at this point. Well, the PMIs would be uh, the symptom. What, what's the cause of of this? Well, you've had the problems with the strong dollar, which should be hopefully mostly behind us now. That's the good news. We've had the huge pullback in the energy industry. Again, a lot of the pullback should be behind us. Also, good news. Uh, other than that, you know, we've had a tremendous regulatory burden uh, increase in, in recent years, and I think that has hurt 
company's ability and willingness to invest. We have a corporate tax issue in the United States, which makes us somewhat uncompetitive and leads to companies hoarding cash overseas. Um, so I, I think we need to work on corporate taxes. I think we need to work on the regulatory burden that's being heaped on America. I think Obamacare has been a bit of a problem for growth as well. Uh, the average, I shouldn't say the average, but more than 50% of U.S. households now have a health care deductible of, of $1,000 or more. And 10 years ago, uh, very few households had that. So people are paying more for health care, paying more out of pocket. And, say, uh, say that again. That's extraordinary. Yeah. So about 10 years ago, uh, fewer than 10% of households had a $1,000 deductible on their medical premium. Now it's over half the country. And so um, that's that's how we love to have you on. That's re- that's remarkable. That's one of those little factoids that Howard I don't think comes enough, in and depresses us. You know, it, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm all for the goals of of, of Obamacare, but it is expensive yeah. and has not lived up to the promises yeah. on spending reductions and especially for individual families. I would note, Tom, that even Hillary Clinton, uh, in her speeches the last couple of days, has been talking about fixes to Obamacare that. Uh, yeah, that would bring the cost. You know, terrific perspective. Good morning, everyone. Mike, what an extraordinary mor- morning. I mean, going eight, ten different ways. You mentioned Mr. Diamond over in England and Jobs Day and the rest of it. Uh, futures flat, as Michael mentioned. I guess I'd watch yen 108.88 right now as well. Bloomberg surveillance brought to you by Invesco this Jobs Day. Have you considered all your investment alternatives, non-traditional asset classes, and strategies may help you achieve your goals? Find out more at Invesco.com slash alternatives. Mike, notice the headline out in Valiant. Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. No, it isn't really. Uh, Valiant, of but course, it's has odd. not filed their 10Q, and they they have bond covenants that if they don't file, they're in default yeah. thereof. Uh, and they have gotten another notice that they are in default, but everybody yeah. knew they were in default. They have 60 days from the receipt of this notice to file the 10Q, and they have said they will file it on or before yeah, June like 10th. So accounting. next week is the, the week to watch. Well, Howard Ward, what is your enthusiasm for equities right now? Is a general statement? Are you waking up saying, this is a terrific set of worries? I gotta be on board. I wanna participate with enthusiasm. Are you hedged? Are you building cash? No, Tom. Uh, no, no hedges. Uh, relatively enthusiastic. I, I would say that uh, one of the one of the interesting things that I look at is sentiment. Sentiment is is extremely bearish right now. We can look at that in a couple of different ways. The AAII investor poll. The percentage of investors that are bullish is about 17 percent. Yeah. That's the lowest since 2005. And I'd also point out that uh, year-to-date we've had uh, $71 billion withdrawn from U.S. equity funds uh, you know, here in the U.S. That number is already as big as all of the redemptions in 2008. And so, uh, and, and, and globally, the number exceeds a hundred right. billion dollars. So people have been selling stocks, not buying stocks, and I, yeah. I think been, have been overly pessimistic about, uh, the rest right. of this year. Brilliant. Do, do you assume dividend growth is a yield alternative? How do you handle that tough, almost philosophical question? Well, you know, we've seen in the last 15 years the S&P 500 has uh, 
provided a, a total return of closer to 6% than its historical 10. And part of that has to do from the, the starting point of a very high valuation. Part of it all has, also has to do with the so-called new, new normal of lower GDP growth because ultimately equity returns are somewhat uh, hostage to long-term nominal GDP uh, growth rates. And so the, the dividend growth in a lower return environment the yield and the growth of the dividend becomes a bigger component of your total return. And the historical dividend growth of about 5% may not be quite that high going forward, but uh, 3 to 4% growth uh, on a starting dividend yield of, about, uh, of around 2% uh, in this day and age is, is an important part of your return and, uh, and, and will be going forward. Uh, do you want to – make it more important given the environment you're describing, or are you not getting defensive yet? Well, I don't think you want to be too defensive, both because defensive stocks are pretty highly priced uh, relative to the less defensive group, um, and also because the economic fundamentals should be improving over the balance of this year, which should lead to more of a risk-on environment, which should tend to favor the less defensive stocks. In fact, uh, uh, so far this year, it may not be intuitive, but the less defensive parts of the market, the energy uh, names, for example, have been the strongest uh, underlying groups uh, within the stock market. Are you buying energy yet? Well, uh, we're not big energy investors. Uh, on, on my side of the firm, where we're growth investors, we have a small position in energy, which we haven't touched. <laughs> Isn't energy by definition growth at this point? Because all the value has been wiped out. <laughs> well, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. Uh, so I, I would not be chasing after energy stocks at this point. They've had a, a pretty significant recovery. Very quickly here, I love when you're on because I look for things on the Bloomberg that I haven't looked at in ages. I have no idea of the Johnson & Johnson leg up that we've seen in price over the last couple months. I mean, the last six, eight, ten months. You mentioned the Affordable Care Act. Is that an opportunity in health stocks with all the mystery and worry about it? Well, Tom, uh, it, 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 it has been good for the healthcare group, but, but we're in election season now for a presidential campaign, and you have both of these candidates talking about making, uh, getting more price concessions from, for example, the, the big pharma companies like J&J. So I would be a little bit careful there. And again, uh, J&J is a fabulous company. J&J is a company with 4 to 5% organic growth. Uh, and you're paying a, a pretty stiff multiple for that today. So, yeah, well, you know, I, 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 I probably wouldn't be rushing okay. out to load up on it. Let's come back with Howard Ward this morning. All right, we're going to check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, Tom, thank you very much. A group of protesters attacked Donald Trump supporters who were leaving the candidate's rally in San Jose, California last night. A dozen or more people were punched. At least one person was pelted with an egg. And Trump hats grabbed from supporters. They were set on fire on the ground. Police took four people into custody. The search continues for four missing soldiers after their carrier overturned in a rain-swollen creek at Fort Hood, Texas. Five other soldiers were killed. A Japanese boy abandoned in the forest by his parents has been found safe in a military hut in a training area. Officials say the boy appeared worn out, but was okay. His parents, trying to teach him a lesson for misbehaving, made him get out of the car last Saturday. They couldn't find him when they returned several minutes later. 
Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike Tom. Michael Barr, thanks so much. This job's day, Alan Kruger, Jim Glassman, and Bill Gross will be with us right now. Howard Ward of Gamco. Michael McKee and Tom Keen. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance, brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash in rented real estate. Find them at nria.net. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, 730 on Jobs Day. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Uh, outside of Jobs some news that people are watching. Uh, Tom Barrick's Colony Capital going to combine with North Star Realty Finance and North Star Asset Management Group, all stock deal, forms a real estate investment trust, $58 billion under management. Mentioned this earlier, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon wades into the Brexit debate, warning in England today the investment bank may have to cut jobs in the U.K. if the country decides to exit the European Union. The bank has more than 16,000 employees there. Bain Capital, PAG Asia Capital, evaluating bids for Takata, the Japanese air bank uh, bag supplier behind that record safety recall. That's according to people familiar with the matter. And Delta and United Continental are weighing bids for Avianca, Colombia's state-owned airline, exploring strategic options, they say, including a full or partial sale. Let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, thank you very much. The search continues for four soldiers who are missing after their troop carrier overturned in a rain-swollen creek at Fort Hood, Texas. Five other soldiers were killed. Defense Secretary Ash Carter. We're going to make sure that we learn lessons that we can from the investigations we conduct after these incidents and uh, that we take actions in the future to prevent such accidents and keep our people safe. Near Nashville, Tennessee, a pilot was killed when his Blue Angels fighter jet crashed. President Obama used his final commencement address to a U.S. military academy to urge Air Force cadets to find the right balance between force and diplomacy. The president told the Air Force Academy's class of 2016 that they must not allow the U.S. to turn away from the world. At least 19 journalists were attacked while covering food protests in downtown Caracas. That's according to a non-governmental organization that monitors freedom of expression in Venezuela's capital. The assaults included robberies allegedly by members of the National Guard and armed civilians. Global News, 24 hours a day. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC uh, Land Rover Parsippany sports update. Here's John Stasha. All right, Mike, a surprise in game one of the NBA Finals. Not Golden State winning, but the way the Warriors won, getting more points from their backup guards than their much more heralded starters. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson together scored 20 points, and Sean Livingston had that by himself. Leandro Barbosa added 11 off the bench. Those two shot a combined 13 for 15. And the Warriors won game one, 104 to 89. The Cavs came from 14 down to briefly lead in the third quarter, but the Warriors pulled away from there. Bench scoring was 45 to 10 for Golden State. Game two is Sunday again in Oakland. Took a while for the Yankees, didn't get a hit until the sixth inning, but finally some runs, four in the seventh. They held on. 
to win the rainout makeup in Detroit 5 to 4. Baltimore beat the Red Sox 12 to 7 as the Orioles hit seven home runs. Seattle 16, San Diego 13. The Mariners trail 12 to 2 in the sixth inning and came back to win. The Mets were off. They have put David Wright on the disabled list with that nagging neck injury that they say could keep him out for a prolonged period. Serena Williams down 3-1 opening set of her semifinal match at the French Open with Kiki Berton. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashow. Thank you, John. They always say watch the dollar, and uh, we are watching the dollar ahead of the jobs report. It is a, a, a skosh, uh, stronger, shall we say, against most currencies, but um, the yen is uh, is unchanged right now. The euro, 111.45, the yen, 108.87, and the pound, 144.21. Of course, they've got their own issues to worry about over in Great Britain as they prepare for the Brexit vote ahead. For us here on Bloomberg Surveillance, it's the jobs report. Coming up, we're going to talk with Alan Kruger, and then we'll uh, get a preview from uh, James Glassman of J.P. Morgan Chase and get reaction from Bill Gross. The market is uh, putting in a little bit of a positive tone right now. S&P futures up by a point. Dow futures up by 16. We were becalmed earlier, but we are getting closer and closer to the number an hour from now. We're going to check in with Bob Moon now and get the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report uh, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Up. Michael, good morning. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. This summer and fall, the Atlantic Ocean could become a hurricane testing site of sorts. After decades of warmth, there's evidence the Atlantic is cooling, and that change could mean fewer hurricanes wreaking havoc on coastal communities and economies. It's part of a cycle called the Atlantic Multidecadal Oscillation. I'm convinced they stick these terms in just to test us. Let's call it the AMO for short. Not nearly as snappy as El Nino in the Pacific, but this could even overshadow that. The theory is that the Atlantic cools and warms every 25 to 40 years, changing the African monsoon and easterly jet stream, air pressure over the ocean, and levels of wind shear. All these can add or detract from hurricane lifespans. Thing is, not everyone believes the AMO affects hurricanes that way. There are competing hypotheses, and this cycle is giving scientists more of the data they need to build their knowledge on effects of this phenomenon. Honeywell is warning of growing cyber attacks by state-sponsored hackers. The cybersecurity provider says they're increasingly targeting industrial facilities from oil refineries to nuclear power plants with sophisticated attacks aimed at capturing data and remotely controlling the sites. Honeywell provides cybersecurity for more than 400 industrial sites worldwide. And Walmart is linking up with Uber and Lyft using their services to enlist drivers in Grocery deliveries. The world's biggest retailer is aiming to match the convenience of services offered by Amazon.com and other e-commerce companies. That's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Bob Moon, thank you very much. That is almost a kind of perfect setup for our next guest. Alan Kruger is, uh, of course, uh, with Princeton University. He was the former chief economist at the Labor Department and the Treasury Department and a guy who's done a lot of work on the labor market, including this new gig economy uh, Alan, uh, what's the latest on, on what you've found uh, about uh, the gig economy? I mean, uh, they're going to start delivering groceries in Uber and Lyft cars. It's one more set of jobs that, in theory, goes away. Well, actually, that's probably a whole new set of jobs um, since it's not so easy to get your groceries delivered now. Um, but I think it makes a fair amount of sense, Mike, because the area where we've seen online gig economy 
expand the most is transportation and food delivery, Uber, Lyft, Grubhub. And in some sense, it's a merger of those two. If I want to look at the jobs report any particular month and see the impact where uh, of the gig economy, where would I look? You won't find it uh, for a couple of reasons. One, in the establishment survey, the payroll survey, uh, only employees are on the payroll are included, and the gig workers are overwhelmingly independent contractors. And the household survey does a terrible job picking it up. So uh, I don't think that these uh, workers are being reflected in many of our current statistics. But at the same time, it's still quite small. Uh, various estimates point to only about half a percent of the U.S. workforce is involved in some type of online gig work. Is this something, though, that needs to be addressed by the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics? Uh, is it growing enough that it distorts the numbers and policymakers don't really know who's doing what? I think we need to do a much better job, job tracking it. At a minimum, we need to do the contingent worker survey more frequently. But even the contingent worker survey, which hasn't been done since uh, 2005 by the BLS, has some problems when it comes to the gig economy since it focuses on the main job. And a lot of workers are doing this part-time as a secondary job. Well, let me uh, bring in Tom here with a question he asked me on the air this morning, and I couldn't answer so I'm going to put it to you because you're the smarter guy here. When you look at um, the uh, the job creation on a month-to-month basis, over the last two years, standard deviation in change has dwindled away to almost nothing. It's about one standard deviation uh, per month. Um, why why have we gotten so incredibly consistent in job creation? You know, that's a really good question. I, I think if you look at GDP, you find something similar. Even though there are big fluctuations, they're actually less than they had been quarter to quarter. And I think we're seeing, to some extent, a continuation of the moderation that existed before the Great Recession. Uh, why that's taking place is, is, is not so clear, but I think this does look a lot like what we were seeing uh, for the Great Recession, uh, certainly in terms of quarterly GDP fluctuations. Well, does it have implications at all for for policy, or is it just an interesting factoid? Well, I think it makes life a little bit easier for policymakers because it makes it a little bit easier to read the tea leaves if the leaves are moving around less. Uh, At the same time, the revisions to the data are still quite large. So um, I think we haven't narrowed the – sampling variability that comes along with measuring the U.S. economy. But the U.S. economy itself is being a little bit more stable, and I think that's a positive thing for uh, for the U.S. It means that we're growing at a more steady pace. Alan Kruger is with us. It is Jobs Day, of course. We have, you remember uh, Tom Mad Magazine used to have on its masthead, the usual gang of idiots. Uh, we have the usual gang of really smart people joining yeah. us today. Coming up, Jim Glassman and then Bill Gross and uh, Scott Mather, so uh, you don't want to turn your dial. Stay with us here on Bloomberg Surveillance Jobs Day. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Go to top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce Vanner and Smith, Incorporated. 